0: Oh, that know. was the one where you guys pretended uh, to ca- that the was car. Another, bro- that
1: was another Max Brunswick. That where where was yeah, the scuba diver, Where the I car pretend- broke down, and yeah, you had the car your broke scuba. down with all my scuba equipment. That was in Voluntown, Connecticut. Oh, that was a good one. That's the lady who had five boys, and she let them drink beer, and you know the young ones in the woods across the street at a keg party. Oh, we nailed her big time, me and Elliot. We brought her steaks and uh, actually Heineken beer. We bought a case of Heineken beer Yes, and steaks. Now, that's
0: not we're an ad for the show. From,
1: we're the big boys from New Haven going all the way up to Valentown, Scuba divers. Ah, uh, you got a date from my friend if I come up next week? Yeah. Meanwhile, Elliot's banging her. And and, uh, and um. So, so, that, so that whole case goes and we learn all this from her. Plus, she had a little side business, which she wasn't declaring on her. On her, um, on her uh, financial affidavit, she's selling like beads and trinkets and stuff that she made, like jewelry in the house. So we got, we saw all that. We did this. We see her letting her son come running back across the street. They lived in an area where it's all woods, all woods. This guy, the dad on this one, he worked at the nuclear plant. He was a pretty cool guy. He worked at the nuclear plant. His wife had the five five boys. He didn't have physical custody, but he heard that they were all screwing around, and the wife was screwing around. And um, so the first time I met, I said, how am I ever going to meet her? And you remember, we didn't have Google Maps then, or this or that, or other guy describes to me, he says, oh, my house, it's up on a hill. There's nobody around it. There's a lake a mile away. It's all woods and this and that. I said, how the frig am I going to get into this friggin' house? Well, back in those days, we didn't have cell phones either. So if your car broke down, you'd knock on a door and ask people to use the phone. So sure shit, I, I load my car up with my scuba gear. Uh, this is the first time I went up there. I'm alone. And uh, lo and behold, I stop my car like right near her house. I have to walk all the way up her driveway. I knock on the door. I said, yeah, my car. Um, uh, and she says, oh, really? She says, uh, I know a little about, about cars or something. She walks down. So I let, I want her to see the scuba gear because my story is I'm coming up here because we're going to dive in the lake me and my friends in the, in this big lake in Valentin. So um she says um, so anyway I get to know her and I tell her that um you know uh that, that I dive on a regular basis and I heard that this was a pretty good good place. So I said you know I might be coming back up here next weekend. I said. Uh, um, with a couple of, of, uh, of my buddies, I said, uh, you were so nice. I said, I'd like to treat you, um, uh, uh, to, uh if I come up with some steaks and, and everything, I said, well, could we cook them here at your house? He goes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I already knew a little bit about her personality because of what her husband said. So lo and behold, we go up there. She's got a friend there. I got uh, Elliot with me. Uh, We do the steaks and the beer and all that shit. And then we go out to this frigging nightclub place or whatever. I don't know where the hell it was, Norwich maybe. And uh, Elliot ends up with her. And I end up with the other one, but I don't do anything with her. And uh, long, long story short, now I've gained a lot of information about her and her kids. While I was there, I see her son, the fifteen-year-old one. He comes running across the street while I'm there. The second time, he says, "Ma, ma, I need like two dollars. What do you need? Two dollars." Oh, Mr. So-and-so, he's got the keg in the woods. There's like twenty (laughs) of us. We all have to pitch in $2. She gives him $2. He goes in the woods. Bang, the kid's drinking. Okay, that's that's violation number one, you know, for a divorce court. So about, I don't know, a year goes by. The case isn't settled. Obviously, Max sandbags everybody, never tells them what went on. Max brings me and Elliot up. To the courthouse in New London or Norwich, I forget which one it was. What is a big old courthouse? It looks like something from the cowboy days, you know. You know, old wooden stairs and all. Anyway, he Max puts me and and um, and Elliot in a uh, in a die in a little luncheonette about a half a block away, and we're sitting there and sitting there and sitting there waiting for max to call us so we don't know what's going on in the courthouse so finally after like two or three hours we were smoking cigarettes back then uh, max comes and gets us and he says come on it's time to testify Mm -hmm. said, "Well, what happened he goes oh I already had her understand she says she never has any uh, dates with any man and she never gives her slits her son drink (laughs) that she doesn't have another business she doesn't sell anything Um, so, so, so we walk back to the courthouse and then Max puts us in the hallway and then he goes in, he sits down, the judge bangs the gavel, recess is over. And, uh, and, um, so I... Well, we don't know what's going on inside the courtroom, but obviously uh, the judge must have said, "Uh, Mr. Brunswick, you know, your your next uh, witness, please. And the door opens up and frickin' Elliot walks down the friggin' uh, uh, (laughs) walks down the aisle. She looks over her shoulder. Then I come in because now I'm going to sit in the back. She sees us both. She she like almost like faints, like almost like falls over like, where do I know these guys from? Where do I know these guys from? Stinking in her mind, she puts her hand on her on her um, lawyer's shoulder, and the lawyer calls for a recess, <laughs> and they settle the case. <laughs> now let me uh, ask you this: because
0: the last like fifteen years, you've done a lot of medical malpractice work with a number of oh, big billboard firm uh, Carter Mario and then you know Jerry McHenry and all the different groups he's had over the years. Some big $10-$20 million cases. A lot of people have been talking about this in the community around my show and Mike Moore's show, the Thomas Paine Podcast. And then uh, The Quash, which is a show by Legal Man. He's been a lawyer for 40 years. He talks a lot about this stuff. And uh, it comes up now that Sort of the smoke is cleared and people realize that maybe they went out and got the vaccine because their employer said they had to, but then it turns out that they couldn't force them to, but they went and did it, and when they went to the pharmacy, they got informed consent and they did it. So everybody's talking about this and whether or not there's going to be lawsuits or could be lawsuits. Legal Man, who's actually quite interesting, he's like Norm Pattis. it's a lawyer I've talked about Uh, from Connecticut who came from the left, who turned out to be an FBI type of guy. Legal Man Comes from the right uh, as a constitutional conservative, but now he's basically where Norm is—screw the whole system type of person. Uh, Legal man has said on the show, "People are wasting their time. You're never going to sue your employer. You're never going to be able to get any of this done because at the end of the day, you went and got the shot in your arm. That's how the whole system was designed. The vaccine companies have immunity. And have you heard anything from any of the lawyers you work for or people?" Bringing any of these cases or asking lawyers about it, because legal man says first off, you're never going to prove if you have cancer or you had a stroke or you had a heart attack, you're never going to prove that that was caused by Moderna or Johnson and Johnson or Pfizer because the doctor who you need to say that that's what caused it is the same doctor that advised you to go get the shot. So none of this is actually going to occur. Have you heard anybody talking about
1: it from a legal perspective? Um, um, Personally, no, but. My belief is, first of all, for lawyers and law firms to take on medical malpractice cases, and this is if we would call it a medical malpractice, but this would be more like a labor case. It would be uh, seemingly a case against your employer who compelled you to do something as opposed to a medical malpractice case where you're suing a a pharmacy or a doctor for prescribing or misprescribing prescribing something, but medical malpractice cases cost a fortune for a personal injury lawyer to gamble with, Uh, and he's going up against monstrous amount of financial um, um, power Uh, whether it be from the insurance company that represents the doctor's group, the hospital, the pharmaceutical uh, company, or whatever. So they usually bleed that personal injury lawyer dry by dragging things on for five, six, seven years of poor personal injury lawyers out, a half a million, two million, three million dollars in expenses already. Well, what are you going to get? What are the damages? If the damages aren't so great that they offset all of the expenses with the lawyer, eventually gets back but does not get back if he loses. So from what I understand, all of the um, uh, immunities and uh, waivers and everything else that were granted, all of the individual uh, companies, doctors, pharmacies that have prescribed, developed, and... and, uh, uh, solicited and frigging passed out this shit, uh, they supposedly have immunity. And I don't know of any case, though, there may be that are are going to try to challenge that. The better challenge would be the one that you just mentioned. Whether or not my employer can be held for and part of as We heard with the recent midterms and some of the promises that were being made uh, and even things like with Trump at 2024 if he ran, and I don't know how much Zeldin was saying about it, but one of the first things they wanted to do was create legislation that would immediately um, reinstate those government workers You know, uh, police, fire, uh, CLT members, military, along with back pay. So that could be something that could remedy guys who have lost their job. But all the damage that was done for a guy who lost his job, like – a year and a half ago, by now he might have lost his house, he might have lost his wife because she was pissed at him, he might have lost you know, his kid's opportunity to go to college I don't know how you reimburse for all that but that one seems you, well, winnable, well, winnable though, that one seems winnable, yeah,
0: but at the same time you'd have to prove all that chain of events occurred from that one event oh, yeah. and they, okay. you became an alcoholic 18 months later well, because your wife left you lawyer, there, believe yeah.
1: me lawyers yeah. are good at that, I, I've yeah. seen those trails um, linked together quite well, well what i'm saying is is there a cause of action against an employer who is not mandated or compelled by the government cuz then maybe that immunity that waiver would would link up to uh, to to all of the other immunities that were granted in the in the beginning but um for independently saying in order for you to work here you have to have gotten x number of shots and the guy says no i'm not doing that for whatever reason religious medical physical whatever and now that and that's in my mind this is part of the reason why None of these agencies, doctors, or institutions, or even the new mayor, you know, of New York are willing to acknowledge that maybe we shouldn't have done that. They all know that once they open their mouth and say, well, maybe we shouldn't have mandated firefighters right. and and nine eleven responders uh, during COVID who are our heroes and our Walmart ladies that stood there every day and checked out people who had to buy food to bring it home. Why that now got fired once we made mandated? Why Walmart and and and, and the government agencies that fired these people? Why they shouldn't be sued? To me, that seems like a winnable. That eventually, I, I believe that those cases once those start to be won. They're going to be appealed all the way up to the top because it opens the door to almost every country's—I mean, every state, every town, every jurisdiction that did something this cruel and stupid. But uh, those are winnable, I think. Well, that's uh, like a, like a
0: good friend of the I'm show not a lawyer, but well, a good friend of the show said, you know, if, if they were working and it happened to them uh you know they'd they'd be filing a suit you know against the girl in hr that enforced it trying to sue everyone individually inside the company that
1: followed orders now the lawyer uh, yeah, you sue them uh, yeah. because you want to work up, you, you you want to be able to depose them. You want to be able to get them to say, well, John, you know, the system manager told me the, told me, the manager told me, they're all going to be covered, basically, by the in- same insurance company because they're working for the same uh, business. But what I'm saying is, do I think that those are winnable? Well, if there wasn't a statewide mandate or a frigging law that was passed constitutionally and that the legislation, of that state or federally but the cdc doesn't have any legislative power Uh, i don't see how it is isn't anything other than a personal choice by the management of a particular company to say in order to come in this door tomorrow and work a cash register you got to get a shot well who the fuck are you to tell me that i have to get a shot where where did that power how did it come to you well, this is just a decision we made to save our people. Oh, okay. Well, here we are. 3 years later. Now the court's going to make a decision about you. That's that's where I think you, that's where I think there's vulnerability with regards to the uh, in, institution of that policy individually at different businesses and government agencies. Um But I think the pharmacies, the doctors, I think they're home free. Yeah, I think anyone in the chain of command that
0: actually sold the drug. But let me ask you, and plus, you know, I mean, this was something I learned in our birth class. The lady who taught that class was really, really well versed in informed consent you know that she was training us what would happen once you started to deal with the hospital which i'm glad we took the course because she was really well uh, educated in that department but i had talked to her off the record separate from our birth class about informed consent on the vaccines and she said well this is the thing like at the hospital they'll send in a sales guy who fast talks you don't realize you just consented to what he was informing you about because he made it all cool and hip and he well, comes he in like Patch Adams with a clown nose on and he's telling oh we're going to stick to my butt, but you going to bum." and you go, oh okay, next thing you know they jab it into your IV, you don't even know you just consented to the thing. Right. And so it's a similar case uh, with this, like she said, you know, really once you go down to CVS or you get in the line at Goodwill, drive through and let them stick a needle in your arm, you consented to it. If they didn't inform you properly, that's because you didn't to read all the fine print once you let them actually stick you with something you consented to it because no one dragged you down to the CVS forced you to roll up your arm yeah. and let them stick you with
1: it well there's different <laughs> levels or degrees of informed consent you know to a certain extent like if I were a lawyer and I were exploring the um, the chronology of my client being quote unquote Um, informed Mm. and ultimately consenting it was probably 10 variables that that lawyer could utilize to question the informed consent door. the individual who claims on such and such a day sitting on such and such a bed uh, in hospital room 234 I told him this this and this and you know well guess what asswipe my client doesn't speak English. You stupid fuck! I mean, that's number one. Like right off the bat. I mean, just think about informed consent. So that guy goes through his old blah, 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 and the poor guy sitting in the bed shakes his head, and the next thing you know, he's got a needle. Well, fuck your informed consent. You're you're off. You're gone right now. We just proved that you could not have ever informed mm. this guy, nor could he have consented. That's just like one. That's like the like the first step. Now mm. start with. Well, you use what words? What's the word you use? A five-syllable word. You know that my client got as far as second grade, mm. and he's dyslexic. So, like, there's a lot of ways to kind of. Now, let me that.
0: just ask you because they, the, what they were talking about, some of the people in the show was, you, and you just mentioned. Um, if you take the chain of command inside of a particular business, so let's say people work for Wegman's grocery store, and so they the HR director says, hey, Everybody's gotta get vaccinated, and then you you know, so let's say people were gonna sue the HR director, they're gonna sue the shift manager, you said they're all represented by the same insurance company because they all work for the same employer. Can now just theoretically. Could someone be suing these people as individuals as well, or would the court just throw that and say you have to sue, have to sue them through their positions in the company because they were acting on behalf of the company?
1: Uh, I think and I've seen um, in complaints and oftentimes ask the lawyer, why do you do it this way? But if you start naming people individually, you can release them individually as you tick through your depositions, this, that, or whatever. So oftentimes what a lawyer may do is like a shotgun approach, and you don't necessarily know the names of all the employer, employees, so sometimes you have to add them or amend your complaint as you have more discovery. So you find out from the HR director director that it was Joni johnson who's the assistant hr director and then you get that name and that name so sometimes you add and sometimes you subtract but to go after each one of them individually similar to what's going on with police departments right now with this elimination of the uh, uh of uh, of the of the immunity where where all of a sudden police officers could be on the hook themselves i see it has sometimes a very good strategy to name individually these people. Whether or not it compels them to go out and have to get a lawyer, I doubt it because chances are the company is going to ultimately be on the hook. But if there's if you name five people mm. and – Two of them have completely opposing views, like Johnny says Joan did it and Joan says Johnny did it. Mm -hmm. Those two frigging people might have to each get their own lawyer, because how do you get one lawyer to represent the two people that are pointing the finger at each other or who's the one that gave the memo to the employees to get the shot? Mm -hmm. So you could cause a lot of hardship and a lot of problems with the quote-unquote defendants in a situation where you start naming people individually, which is pretty... I think a pretty cool move. Different jurisdictions. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so you're asking kind of the wrong guy. I'm just telling you, I have seen individuals named oftentimes in different lawsuits. Well, and then the other thing is, I I think like
0: we said, let's take an individual person. And in this particular scenario, we're going to take a guy that works for Wegmans. Not someone who was fired, let's say, because he did not get vaccinated, but someone who was vaccinated because he didn't want to lose his job right now because this comes up in conversation on different shows let's take that guy and let's pretend as far as he knows nothing has happened to him so there's no damages there's no injury right so First off, unless that guy is going to represent himself or he's going to come up with a ton of money, there's not really going to be an attorney who's going to lay out yeah. or agree to let $100,000, $500,000 to take a case when there's no damages. Right. The second part is, let's say that guy did three months later have a stroke. If that lawyer can't figure out the fastest way to Correct. get from A to Z, which is to get a doctor, Correct. a reputable doctor on the record, to say the stroke definitively Correct. caused was caused by the Correct. vaccine, you're not going to get a lawyer to gamble.
1: And, 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 and a doctor who would definitively say that, who would then have to go up against three other doctors who would de- definitively deny it. In other words, an expert, a, a case where expert versus expert. So even then with having to shop around for a doctor who's got the balls and the knowledge and the background and and the credentials to testify in one way is also going to be refuted by two or three or four or even just one from the insurance company going in the other direction. So even then the lawyer's still taking a chance. You see what I'm saying? Just by finding that one doctor is not going to make it a home run for the lawyer. Right. Yeah, so and it's yeah, still
0: a gamble, and it's you'd and, gamble. and you'd imagine, and we don't know. See, this is the other thing: is no one really knows all the new laws and regulations and everything that came out during the personal protection, business partnerships, public private, this operation, warp speed, that. That at the end of the day, these companies are always going to fall back on. I think we were following the CDC guidelines. The doctor Fauci and the CDC, they were threatening our business yeah. license. But and a guideline, so, huh? and
1: a guideline, and a mandate are two different things and see that's 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 where uh, take a guideline um, and call it a map okay so if i gave you a map of your city and and called it uh, this is a guideline how you would get from here to the delicatessen it doesn't mean that, that you have to take that route to get there so the fact that there's choice involved okay it's a mandate okay so now you have some you have some opinion. From a reputable source, but you still have the final say over your employees and what they do when they come into the door of your business. Right. And so I still think that the last word of whether or not employees get punished for not getting the vax is on the hands of whoever runs that company and makes that decision. That's my guess. Because it wasn't like a federal – now, the federal government had different rules also, right? You want to walk in their building, right? You got to – you have to show the back. That's the federal government made that. So – but if I owned a store – and I had 30 employees, and one of my employees had been there for 25 years, the most loyal person in the world, but he had, like, a religious objection, and I fired the guy because he didn't get vaccinated. Would that guy have a case against me or not for back pay? Right. Would he have a case against me for back pay as... New information starts to come aboard as we're learning now more about the vaccines and the, and the virus and the bullshit and then the politics and then Fauci, who just retired. Just coincidentally, right before the Republicans took over the House, they are going to grill the living shit out of him. He'll probably end up in a, in a country, probably in the next month or two, where he can't be subpoenaed, where he can't be deposed.
0: Yeah, well, he'll be set up. Uh, what yeah. was in the Bahamas next to uh, yeah, uh, Sam right. Bankman-Fried yeah. of the yeah. FTX? But no, but the so so in this hypothetical, though, you'd end up having to get ha, find someone who is the plaintiffs who who is injured by a vaccine. You'd have to find a doctor or doctors that would actually definitively say that the vaccine caused whatever happened to him, because you have to then be able to show damages, and then you'd have to be able to find a lawyer who's willing to gamble on this or someone willing to bankroll the lawyer to the tune of who knows a million dollars to right. get him through three, four, five, six years of litigation. Right. Because would I you imagine that's a
1: lot? That's a lot of finding. Let me yeah. tell you, that's a lot of looking and a lot of money to get to that point. You know what I'm saying? The only other time that you see situations like this is like, if there's a case that's a prima facie, almost, definite winner and it gets you a decision even though there's not a lot of damages and it gets you a decision that you can then utilize in a bigger case that's going to cost you more money because the damages are more and the doctors are different but you already have this other case that you got a decision from uh, and use it to help you win the other case because if you just take on the most as a lawyer you take on the most expensive case first the biggest gamble the biggest expenditure of money to have, end up with a defendant verdict meaning you lose you lose everything you may not be a lawyer yeah. anymore you well, don't have any yeah. money well I, well I was going to say
0: so so you haven't heard personally you said any lawyers that you know even talking about this, which is crazy because you would think in the personal injury and med malpractice, you know, industries and stuff that you, I mean, there's lawyers that are looking to make money everywhere they can that I haven't talked I'm, about.
1: I'm, I'm in a blue state. My guess is if you ask this question to somebody who's coming from a different state that does what I do that might encounter lawyers in this and that, you might have a better chance because you know what? In the fruity state where I live. In the fruity state where you are right now, you ain't going to find a lot of people that are going to go up against a win. That's what I was. No.
0: Well, this guy, the legal man has got the podcast, the quash, he's in Texas and he said, and he knows a lot of other lawyers. He's been in law for 40 mm-hmm. years and has worked in criminal personal injury, uh, everything else. He said, no, he said, cause there's no lawyer that's going to gamble yeah. $2 million, right. Right. hoping that like, when, when the whole entire like, culture and all of society has been turned to say the vaccine didn't hurt anybody and that's what the government stance is. So you're going against the government's yeah. narrative yes. and the government told all the companies to do it. He said so unless there's a big philanthropist yes. uh, he said now I know people love to talk about right. uh, You're print- talking about no, the lawyer, I'm no. talking
1: about the plaintiff. Oh, yeah, no, you're I'm, not going to find any plaintiffs in your state or mine. There are all these fruitcakes, they friggin took the needle. They probably oh, yeah. stuck it in their own ass yeah. like nine times because it felt good. I mean <laughs> you know, basically when you think about it, where are you going to get the plaintiffs right. that are going to go up and complain now? They all lined up to get the friggin shot. That They're walking around with fucking masks on still, some of these people. Yeah, well that yeah, is true. A lot of them. I you mean, see. you know, they like it. So, they're not going to mm-hmm. go to a lawyer and complain. They're probably going to complain when they're when they, they're, when it, they are told to stop taking the booster that's probably when the complaints start that is that's true your, you don't care about my life you're you're telling me to stop taking a booster i was getting used to it every three weeks i would get a booster and put it in different parts of my body uh, we still know people that get them all the time i don't even know what they're up to now like yeah. no, there, there's a- five i think that i'm thinking people are up to like a total of five shots two original then three boosters